This episode of the Short Side Option Podcast is brought to you by the Email Boys, your favorite friend collective's favorite friend collective. Sporting purple since the birth room, season ticket holders since three lockets ago, and passing high school geometry by studying Tex Winner's triangle offense. The Email Boys thrive in the clutch and in most social settings. Driven to rep the cats and educate the community on what it means to bleed purple, to be excellent, and how to rip jays like Michael Beasley. When the purple gets ready to roll, the email boys are ready to deliver. Icon, hit the music. Hello and welcome to another edition of the Short Side Option Podcast. I'm Chris Sork alongside Dilu as we break down the Sunflower Showdown. K-State versus KU, 11 o'clock a.m. kickoff on Fox Sports 1. KU uh, coming into the game winless uh, at uh, the mark of 0-4. K-State coming at 3-1, 3-0 undefeated in conference play as uh, K-State looks to continue that unbeaten streak alive in conference play against their rival. The Kansas Jayhawks should be a, a nice day in Manhattan, should be uh, – you know, clear skies and, and, and great football weather here for a uh, late October clash. So, Dilu, it's a Sunfeller showdown. Sunfeller showdown. Hey, Sunfeller showdown. So, what? what's, uh, well, you know, first of all, these K-State-KU games last year, let, let, let's just go back to last year to, before we look ahead to this year, was probably the most anticipated K-State-KU football game in a decade. Yeah, I'd say so. I, I I remember the 2009 game yeah, was a big deal, absolutely. Uh, which we talk about on the show a lot. Yeah, that was a great game. Um, that one in the 2007, or I'm sorry, the 2006 Oklahoma State game seemed to come up a lot on this podcast. Mm-hmm. But uh, no, the 2019 edition of the Dillons was, uh, yeah, it was a, a very anticipated game. A lot of excitement going into that one. KU comes off uh, the the victory against Texas Tech. K State, of course. Uh, that game was played on the heels of their victory against Oklahoma. Both programs uh, had some exciting momentum coming into that game, and it felt like it was a game that could be between two decent teams for the first time in a long time. Um, because at that point, KU had already taken Texas to the limit. And they kind of whooped up on Boston College, which wasn't a terrible Boston College sure. team at, at- what people thought going into that season anyway, they thought Boston College was going to be a pretty nice team in the ACC. That's right. And so at this point, um, you know, Brent Deerman had a lot of ballyhoo surrounding him, not unlike recruits sometimes do. Mm-hmm. Um, but there was a lot of talk about Brent Deerman. He's got this RPO offense. You know, he wrote a book on he, the he RPO. Did. Um, but Carter Stanley was kind of coming to his, into his own at this point, And, you know, I was sweating the game. I uh, KU seemed to have something kind of going on. Of course, the Texas Tech game, uh, they won that on a bizarre uh, blocked field goal at the end that would have tied the game had it gone true. Uh, but um, regard this year, regardlessly, uh, it was a game that was going to be a tricky little matchup for K-State, or so we thought. Uh, but... We ended up getting into um, what actually transpired was a different story. Yeah, absolutely. And, you know, you mentioned Carter Stanley. Uh, KU would really like to have some stability in the quarterback position right now because at this point it's really, you know, who's going to play quarterback is really the main question going into KU, uh, going into the game for KU on Saturday. Miles Kendrick had, had started against West Virginia and was – was pretty well ineffective throughout, uh, as much with the the rest of the, uh, the KU offense. The season started with uh, McVitie starting at quarterback. Well, technically, it was McVit. McVit, or I, as I like to, you know, channel uh, Gerald Briscoe, Mister McVitie. Yeah, uh, for to fill our listeners in, if if you go back and watch the Coastal Carolina game, uh, starting quarterback for Kansas, Thomas McVitie. Actually, his name was spelled misspelled on the back of his uniforms. And we don't usually like talking about uniforms. But unless, unless they're clean or icy, man. Yeah, and sometimes they are. But in this case, we're the, talking about uniforms because you don't often see a starting quarterback's name misspelled on the nameplate. Um, but just yet another... That's a deal for you, man. That's true. You know, 
grow up. Yeah. Um, but yeah, here we are. KU has played uh, four games this year. A, they haven't uh, finished the game. Uh, every game they've lost by double digits, including to Coastal Carolina. And uh, of those four games, they've started three different quarterbacks. Um, and as you alluded to, it's any guess who starts uh, for KU this week at the quarterback position. Yep, the quarterback position is definitely a, a question mark for KU going in. Uh, also big news coming out of Lawrence this weekend, or this, this past week, I should say, is that Puka Williams has opted out uh, to be closer to family back home in Louisiana. Uh, so he is not going to be a factor on Saturday. That's KU's best player, by the way. Oh, it is. <laughs> yeah. But it's crazy. It's, it seems like this hasn't really made much news. But KU's best player left the team yep. this week. Um, so there's that. I mean, you, you don't – they were the worst team in the conference already. And, you know, Puka Williams hadn't had a very good season so far this year. Been pretty limited. And you can really tell. Uh, so I have to say, I haven't watched it as much KU football this year as maybe I'd like to have. But you can tell – then the games that I've watched, I watched quite a bit of the Coastal Carolina game, caught a little bit of the Oklahoma State game, and then uh, watched the entire uh, game against West Virginia – Western Virginia. Western Virginia, excuse me, from from uh, opening kickoff to final whistle. And you can tell by the body language he, he had been getting frustrated kind of throughout the game and throughout, yeah. throughout several games. So – you know, certainly he's going to have a future at the next level. Uh, whether you know, that's the the. I assume he's going to go pro. I, I I think all indications are are that that would be the case. But uh, yeah, definitely a blow to what's already a, a little bit of a limited KU offense here through four games. Losing your best player is certainly not going to help matters. That's right, and make no mistake, KU's offense was bad with Puka. He wasn't some magician that turns that makes that anybody confuses. KU's offense is dangerous because of Puka Williams. But he was a nice piece. And the Puka Williams, Velton Gardner, uh, who's the backup running back and will now be the the main guy getting the carries moving forward, I would suspect. But that Velton Gardner-Puka Williams uh, combo was a nice little one-two punch. They do a lot of the same things. Yeah, a little bit of a duplicate kind of player. Yeah, but it, but it was nice because for them because you have Puka, a legitimate all-conference talent, uh, come in and, and get do most of the legwork, so to speak. And then you have Velton Gardner um, come in, and, and he's a, certainly a capable back in and of himself. Um, and so it'll be interesting. Velton Gardner, former K-State commit, by the way. That's right. Um, and it's a shame because, like I said, I, I think he's a pretty talented player. Uh, but now you're asking the sophomore Velton Gardner to – I believe I, at least I believe he's a sophomore. But you're asking him to shoulder a much bigger load and getting a little more – deeper into the uh, KU depth chart at running back. So I think it is a blow, and especially for Brent Deerman, who's now uh, tasked with trying to steer the offense, um, an, an offense that has no offensive line to speak of, no quarterback to speak of, and now you lose uh, an all-conference player at running back, and you're thinking, man, it, the hits just keep on coming. Yeah, absolutely. Well, Jerome McPherson made uh, – had a quote this week that has gotten a little bit of play saying that KU has a lot of individual talent. And, you know, they really do uh, with now, granted, Puka Williams out of the picture now and out of the equation. I don't know about a lot of individual, but they, but they, they have some fine pieces. Yeah, so, you know, you've got guys, when you look up and down, you know, who has really contributed for him this year? Uh, Velton Gardner, we, we've mentioned. Um, also, uh, Kwame Lasser, nice little receiver. Uh, AP Quattro, who you know we're we're big fans of yeah. here on, here on the short side option. Uh, Andrew Parchment. Uh, they've got they've got some nice wide receivers individually, but you know your wide receivers are a little limited in terms of what they can do if if the quarterback's one not getting time to throw, and then when the quarterback does get some time to throw. It's not been a very consistent uh, in terms of delivery out to those talented playmakers out out, out wide. Yeah, I mean it's um, it's interesting. You say that they have nice wide receivers, and I'd agree with you that they they have nice receivers in theory. Um, you you think they're good? They they might be good, but when your quarterback uh, against West Virginia goes fourteen of twenty three for ninety five yards, it's kind of hard to say, oh yeah, those guys are ballers because. Um, 
you know, AP Quattro had six receptions for 65 yards. Uh, Stephon Robinson, the second leading receiver on Saturday against West Virginia, had uh, one reception for 12 yards. And, um, well, that's about, that's about, that about covers KU's passing total. Mm-hmm. Um, so, yeah, they, they theoretically might have good receivers. A, a, Andrew Parchment, AP Quattro, be, just a little, he had a, just, he had a good know, year last year. Yeah, nice season. But your, your receivers are only as, as worth anything if you have a quarterback that can actually put the ball out there. Kind of like, uh, you know, K-State had in, in 2013 with uh, um, Tyler Lockett. You got to have a guy that can get him the ball, and Jake Waters was the best best guy to get it to him. All, Sam's was a talented playmaker, but you got to have someone that can really feed those guys. And, and you know, KU would, would really stand to benefit a lot from having a guy like Carter Stanley back again this season uh, because – you know, Stanley was a, a he wasn't capable good. Pass. He was he was a capable enough passer though, and he would get streaky at times. Yeah, but but he was better than fourteen of twenty three for ninety five yards. I mean, we watched the West Virginia game together last week. We did, and I said I can't remember a worse quarterback making a start in any Big Twelve game I've ever seen. Miles Kendrick was beyond bad. His longest his longest pass uh, was the first touchdown to Andrew Parchment that came on a pass that should have been intercepted. I mean, it's a miracle it wasn't. It, it bounced off the West Virginia defender's hands and happened to fall into AP Quattro's hands right as he crossed the goal line. But, I mean, that that stat line is inflated. He, he should have had at least another pick and, what, 30 fewer yards? Sure. Um, and so, yeah, we can talk about this, these receivers, but when you're at such a deficit at the quarterback position, it makes it the, the receivers effectively neutral. Um, and that just gets back to what what's going to happen on Saturday, whether we see uh, Miles Kendrick, uh, Jalen Daniels, or Thomas McVitie. Well, it'll be interesting to see what uh, what transpires uh, on Saturday at the quarterback position for KU. Something certainly we're going to be keeping an eye on. And one thing, I'll, one other thing, uh, I touched on this briefly talking about the KU offense, but the focus has been so much on the quarterback and and how how bad it's been all season at KU, but. On the, there's also, as bad as the quarterback is, the offensive line may be worse. Mm-hmm. Because these these poor quarterbacks just have no time at all. You have a patchwork offensive line that is just a sieve uh, in the pass block game. And we talked about how frustrated Puka Williams was. That's not because these defenses suddenly figured him out or he's lost a step. It's that he just has no room. No. And these defenses don't have to respect the pass. And so they can just go up and bully the offensive line, which is already horrible. Um, and so it's if you're Brent Deerman, it's like, what what do we do? Nobody's respecting the pass game at all. And even if we did have a capable passer, he wouldn't have any time to stretch the field because the offensive line is so bad. Well, let's talk a little bit about that game against West Virginia. Um, Casey, or KU gets out to a, a 10-0 lead you know, relatively quickly there at the start of the first quarter. And, you know, West Virginia maybe sleepwalking through an 11 a.m. kickoff, taking their opponent maybe a little light. KU gets out to a nice start. And, you know, I thought KU's defense played pretty well uh, throughout the first half without their offense really doing much in terms of giving them benefit. I mean, the KU defense was really the story throughout the game and, uh, you know, the reason why KU was able to hang around for a while. You say the story throughout the game. They they did give up they thirty eight points. Well, they did, but you know they were put in really tough positions I throughout know. the day, and it's uh, you know what not a great necessarily performance by the KU defense, you know, in totality. But given the hand they had to kind of deal with with an offense that was routinely going through three and out or having short drives, you have to look at what the KU defense did in terms of the the positive in the first half. What I noticed when watching the game is they were not necessarily being shy about pressuring uh, Daigie and saying, hey, we're going to, um, we're going to come off of uh, blitzes off the edges, blitzes up the middle, and we're going to, you know, dis- I didn't think they did a great job necessarily of disguising. You could pretty much tell what they were, they were going to do, but West Virginia had some trouble at least early on in terms of, um, in terms of kind of diagnosing that. When I look at this KU defense, probably their strength is in their secondary. I thought they had some uh, some nice, um, you know, players at, even at the linebacker position. Uh, 
And Drew, I know that you uh, have have kind of followed KU a little bit more closely than I have. I mean, I know you watch most of the game, but Drew Prox is a guy that stood out to me at the linebacker position. Uh, what, kind of what do you see overall when you look at this Jayhawk defense? Yeah, I, th- I think the KU defense is, uh, compared to the offense, the KU defense is much better. Um, now, that's not saying a lot. I think they still rank near the bottom of the league, near or at the bottom of the league in every significant statistical category. Um, but there are some elements to the KU defense where you can say, okay, that, that, that might be all right. And I think the secondary is probably where you look. Um, they do have guys back there that uh, are okay. I think Devon Ferguson is okay. I think that uh, some of those younger guys, uh, in particular, uh, that Karan Prunty uh, fella, he's a corner, he plays cornerback for him. True freshman, long as hell. Um, and I think he's a guy that is going to develop into a nice player. He gets lost out there a lot right now. Uh, and the linebacker. You know, you look across the rest of the defense, Drew Prox is the, uh, I think, probably the leader of this defensive unit. He plays linebacker for him. He returned from injury last week against West Virginia and had a pretty nice game. Um, he racked up uh, eight tackles, including a sack and three TFLs. Well, those TFLs are a big deal. Yeah. And, uh, <laughs> but, no, I, I agree with you. I think, uh, you know, What's his name? DJ Elliott. Yep, is that DJ his, Elliott, is the, defense the defense coordinator. coordinator? Yep. Uh-huh. You know, he catches a lot of heat from KU people just because he's not Brent Deerman. And so... Uh, I don't really get the love affair with Brent Deerman. The Texas. Boston College in Texas. That's why. Okay. Um, and park, but, the, park the plane, baby. Otherwise, I don't know. I don't think... I think those are the only two notches in Brent Deerman's cap. But it's probably the two best offensive performances KU's had in... A long time, but regardless, so a lot of the um, the frustration falls on DJ Elliott's um, shoulders. But I think he's done a pretty good job this year, and I think he did a pretty good job on Saturday against West Virginia. Uh, basically what they did is they would just bring a lot of heat, um, whether it's Drew Prox or whether it's uh, from the nickel spot, or I believe they call that the Hawk position at KU. Um, I like how different teams have, like, mascot or university specific for like the third safety yeah or yeah. just you know a linebacker whatever the case like i know uh like uh south carolina they call their linebacker the spur do you think it's that's just like a marketing gimmick for recruiting like we want you to come in and play the spur position you know i don't know it's some like safety it would like, work it would work what the hell's a spur position? it would work on me man i'd, be, I'd bite hook line sinker on oh that. yeah yeah I'd, yeah i've heard a linebacker i want to play this new position the spur yeah Anyway, uh, so they're just going to – and I would expect them to do a lot of the same on Saturday against K-State where it's just you test out the inexperienced quarterback and see how he handles heat. Yeah, and that's the thing too. When I was watching uh, KU on Saturday, I said, you know, that's something that I'm going to be interested to see how K-State deals with because, you know, Will Howard making his second start against KU uh, presumably here on Saturday, very inexperienced green quarterback, true freshman, you have to think that KU is going to, you know, keep that same type of defensive game plan and and say, you know what, K-State hasn't really had a whole lot of success running the ball. We want to see what what Will Howard's able to do and or if this offensive line in this running game could really get going. And I think KU is going to give Will Howard a lot of opportunities through the air uh, in terms of we're going to show eight guys, nine guys possibly, you know, in the box at, at times, and we're going to make this true freshman uh, be able to check protections and get people in the right uh, in the right calls, and we're going to have to try to, uh, you know, navigate it. I can see K-State struggling a little bit offensively in this game, and I can see them kind of struggling offensively throughout the rest of the season. Right. I think that's been something I, I, I made mention of last week. Um, even against a defense that maybe not be um, – you know, one of the top in the conference here with the KU uh, defense. But this defense showed a little bit of that pressure and, and that aggressiveness, which I think could give K-State some problems, at least early on. It could, but I also think it's a, it'll be a nice little test for Howard, too, because, um, as you mentioned, this is – we've been talking, saying nice things about the KU defense throughout the last five or ten minutes. They are the worst defense in the conference. Um, I, I don't want that to fall into the – 
under the radar at all. I, I do think that this is the worst defense in the conference and obviously the worst defense K-State will play the rest of the season. So I think that for this offense is, in, in the point of view of the offense, I think this is the perfect test to come let Will Howard come in. He's going to face uh, a, a... Coming off a bye week. So. Coming off a bye week, and he's going to face some pressure in terms of, of blitzes, or at least I expected him to. Um, and so it'll give him a chance to kind of grow a little bit in that respect, face a defense that will pose a bit of a challenge, but not be completely overwhelming. I mean, this isn't... I, I think the West Virginia defense is very good. Mm-hmm. Yeah, um, that's that's a big test coming up next week, of course. Right, and so I think that this will give him an opportunity to grow a little bit and kind of see how he performs under pressure and if he can hit the open receiver against um, zero-type coverages. Well, let's um, let's kind of transition here a little bit into kind of looking at things more from the K-State perspective here. So we've touched on what we expect KU to do defensively, and that's be aggressive, that's you know kind of be a little bit exotic in terms of maybe the blitzes that they're bringing up the middle, off the edge, kind of keeping Howard guessing and keeping this K-State offense guessing a little bit. What are you hoping to see really from this K-State offense? The thing that I'm most looking – and hoping to see is a little bit more stability in the run game. I know when, when watching the game against West Virginia, West Virginia was able to run the ball uh, with Luddy Brown, and they were able to get you know consistent four or five-yard gains, but they had this insistency to continue to let Daggy throw the ball when it really seemed like their best offense really throughout the day was just handing it to Letty Brown and letting him run. Uh, he you know, racked up nearly 200 yards on the ground. And then uh, when he wasn't uh, running the ball uh, you know, for you know, four or five yards of carry, they were sneaking him out uh, when KU was blitzing in the screen game and as well as just uh, running him in uh, you know, their other running back, who I, I'm blanking on a name right now. Oh, Mr. Mr. Sinkfeld, Mr. Alex Sinkfeld, uh, getting him out in uh, kind of on those wheel routes and in the screen game as well. So West Virginia had a lot of success with that. I expect K-State to maybe do the same thing. We have a great uh, you know, pass catching running back with Deuce, Brown, or, uh, with Deuce Vaughn. I, I expect that to maybe be something similar that we see on Saturday. Yeah, I, if, if there's a game the rest of the season that I think Deuce Vaughn could put up the, his biggest numbers, I think this is the week. Um, and that's only because... KU's defense has had a lot of just flat-out breakdowns. Um, you go back and watch that Oklahoma State game. There was one 55-yard touchdown pass where mm-hmm. uh, Tylen Wallace just got free, and there wasn't anybody within 25 yards of him uh, when he received that pass. Uh, he just waltzed into the end zone, and I believe the commentator said, oh my, <laughs> uh, just because yep. it was that of much of a foregone conclusion that he was going to score. Um and I think, uh, as you mentioned, uh, West Virginia had a lot of success throwing to the running backs out of the backfield. Uh, in particular, they had one on a wheel route that mm-hmm. went for a touchdown. Um, and so, yeah, I think Deuce Vaughn, this is a great weekend for him. I think this is a big opportunity. Uh, Lady Brown goes, like you said, 18 carries for 195 yards. 87 of those came um, on a single run where he scored. Uh, Chuba Hubbard the week before uh, put up uh, rushed to the tune of about 130 yards. Uh, Oklahoma State, uh, as a team, rushed for near 300 yards in that game. Uh, really looking forward to seeing that Oklahoma State-Iowa State game on Saturday as well. Yeah, that'll be a fun one. Uh, but, no, if again, this is a defense that is better than the offense, but it's really whatever K-State wants to do, they should be able to do it. Uh, if K-State can't open up holes against KU, I think that spells disaster for the rest of the season. Um, unless KU's just completely selling out. But if that's the case, then Howard needs to be able to punish him there. Um, but DJ Elliott's shown this year that he is willing to roll the dice and uh, bring the heat. And so it's just going to be a matter of uh, the offensive line either getting enough push in the run game to combat that blitz and open up uh, some holes or Will Howard having the poise to uh, hang in there and make the throw under pressure? Well, let's kind of transition now to the K-State defense. K-State defense is coming off their best game. I believe you referred to it as the filet of their defensive performances of the season against TCU, uh, where they were really dominant uh, throughout that game. Uh, You know, keeping uh, Max Duggan 
uh, off balance, hitting him early, hitting him often. Uh, as he was under siege throughout uh, the afternoon uh, two Saturdays ago, let's kind of take a look here. We've, we've talked about this KU def- or this KU offensive line being you know a particularly weak point uh, for this team with, with guys like Boom Massey, Drew Wiley, Wyatt Hubert, Khalid Duke uh, up and down the offensive line or up and down the defensive line for K State. I think this is a great matchup for for K State defensively, and I think it's a matchup they have to quite frankly be looking their chops at. Oh, absolutely. I, I, I think that the uh, Joe Klanderman's game plan this week is very simple, and that's um, prevent Velton Gardner from doing much in the middle of the field because that's that spot has been the soft point, uh, the soft spot for this K-State defense throughout the season. It's that interior run defense. Um, and this week they can stack the box as much as they want because regardless of who it is, whether it's – Mac Fitty, Jalen Daniels, or um, the Miles lad. Um, it's no, I don't think I don't respect any of them to be able to throw to any of their receivers. And I think K State's secondary, particularly their cornerbacks and AJ Parker in the nickel spot, are more than capable of defending passes thrown by any of those three quarterbacks. So I would expect K State's. Uh, you know, we've seen K State safeties play pretty far back most of this year and, and really respect, try to take away the vertical game. I don't think they need to do that this week. I think they can come up, be within eight yards of the line of scrimmage or so, and really just put pressure on the on the KU run game um, to erase that because, gosh, I would expect Velton Gardner to get upwards of at least 25, 30 carries on Saturday. And I think limiting, uh, limiting his production uh, just wipes out any uh, – chance for success KU has this weekend? Well, uh, we've kind of taken a look here now at the offense and defense uh, in terms of how K-State matches up with KU. Is there anything else you want to hit on before we uh, give our prediction here? No, not really. Uh, I, I've i watched every KU game this year start to finish. Uh, I think I have a good understanding of what they do and what they try to do. Um, I, I would imagine Jalen Daniels comes out and starts the game for KU. Um Touching on him for a second, uh, watching him uh, briefly in the Coastal Carolina game, he played start to finish in the Baylor game. You know, he's a he's a true freshman quarterback that plays like a true freshman quarterback. He, he wasn't as good as Will Howard's been in any of the games, but there have been some moments where he shows okay, he's got some talent. Um, he's six. He's listed at six foot. I don't think he's six foot, um, but and he had a few times in the Baylor game where he he had some fairly impressive plays. Um, one in particular where he uh, ducked pressure and threw, um, threw a pass about 25 yards downfield that was eventually dropped. I forget uh, who dropped it for KU. And then another time he threw about a 50, 55-yard pass downfield that was overthrown by about five yards or so. But a bigger arm than I would have guessed by looking at him. So I think he's probably... Of the three, I think he's probably the best one. Um, who knows about McVitie? Um, he just hasn't played much. Yeah, he had a little bit of a quick hook against Coastal Carolina. Now, things weren't going well early as Coastal you know, jumped out to a, a big lead and, and never really relinquished that. And Coastal Carolina's not a bad team. I mean, they, right. they've, entered the, they've entered the rankings uh, down there in the top 25. So it's a nice little, nice little story, nice little team, really. Um, so not, not necessarily bad competition that KU's gone up against even in their out-of-conference schedule, but uh, you look at what this matchup, this matchup to me screams that this is a g- the game that K-State should be able to really try to get that running game going offensively. That's what I'm most looking forward to seeing is K-State really hasn't had that ability uh, to hand the ball off and say we're going to go get four or five yards of carry consistently, you know, run in yeah. and run out. So. Unless KU just completely sells out, which frankly I expect them to do. Yeah, and I why I, not put the pressure on the freshman quarterback to make the even easy throws? Mm-hmm. Um, getting back to the KU offense, just one more point. I expect K State to have five or six sacks on Saturday. Uh, I know that sounds like a lot. It's not. Um, KU gives up plenty of sacks every week, and I think uh, White Hubert and Cleed Duke. Uh, this is the type of game where they could make life really painful for uh, whoever's the KU quarterback. 
All right, well, let's go ahead and get to a prediction here. K-State is a 20-point favorite uh, at last check. Over-under set at 48-and-a-half for the game. D'Lo, I'm going to put you on the spot here first. What uh, What's the call here for the Sunfeller showdown between K-State and KU? I don't have any faith that KU gets to double digits in this game. Um, I think KU, K-State's offense might have a little bit of a hard time at the start getting Will Howard in there, getting him settled down. Um, depending on how K-State's offense goes in the first quarter, I could see it being a kind of tight early on, maybe even to halftime. Uh, but eventually, I, I think K-State's offense gets it figured out. Starts wearing down the KU defense, especially if K-State sticks to the run. Deuce Vaughn gets loose. Um, I think K-State ends up winning this one very comfortably. Uh, I think somewhere in the, in the vicinity of 38-9. Sounds about right. Um, Keep them out of the end zone with a 38-9 score, it sounds like. Oh, no. I think, like, uh, I blocked extra point. Oh. 38-9. Okay. Well, hey, that this it's you know special teams you, man. Yeah. Um, well, K-State's had a blocked kick or punt in every single game this year. It so, continues. So we'll see, uh, we'll see about that. But, well, wasn't Nebraska 0-3, 38-9? Yeah. So there you go. That was a mercy safety, though. Yeah, that's true. Well, maybe we'll do the same thing on Saturday. Who knows? We'll see. Well, I, I see the game similarly. Uh, I'd like K-State in this game 35-7 uh, over the Jayhawks. Another 0-3 score. Another, you know, a big-time score, yeah. too, you know, with, with K-State uh, upsetting OU back in, in 2003. But, you know, I really like this matchup for K-State. We, we've kind of discussed that here. Uh, I think Will Howard – will we'll do a good job. I think really the big thing for him, and it, it, the same story goes here for uh, for whoever KU trots out, is is really not helping out the opposition in terms of in terms of turnovers. K-State was the only team going into uh, the T- Texas Christian game that had played three games and not turned the ball over. Of course, Will Howard throws that interception uh, early in the second half against TCU that, that breaks that streak, but K-State's done a really good job of not turning the ball over and you know in this in this game turnovers are important in every game but in this game I think it's even more you know especially important just because you don't want to give an underdog team like KU here coming in uh, you know a three score dog uh, any type of short field any type of positive momentum like what we saw with West Virginia early on you know K, uh, KU had, had gotten a couple had gotten turnover there and was able to capitalize on a short field to get some points uh, if K State wants to make this a a uh, a game where they're you know able to cruise and able to have it be a low pressure game, uh, t- not turning the ball over is of course of paramount importance, which is which which it is in every game. So I'm going K State 35, KU seven. Yeah, no, I think that that's a good analysis. Uh, I've said before the season started, I think this is the worst KU team uh, that I've ever seen, um, which is saying something, um, but. I, I there's just especially with Puka gone, I think that there's next to no weapons on offense that they can utilize, and you know maybe they'll make me eat this, these words after Saturday. Uh, I certainly don't expect them to, but um, I think K State's defense just stifles KU's offense. There against West Virginia, there was just nothing KU's offense could do. I think that's well said. Well, I think that puts a wrap on what uh, our analysis of, is of the uh, Sunflower Showdown. After a short break, though, we'll uh, take on a different side here of the Sunflower Showdown uh, as we speak with the one, the only, Brian Haney. Join us after the break. All right, nice to have you with us uh, here on uh, the Short Side Option Podcast. I'm being joined right now by the voice of the Kansas Jayhawks, Mr. Brian Haney. Brian, great to have you on. I know you joined us last year, and I know we're, you're, you're a little short on time, so we're going to keep it brief with you here. Uh, you know you know the drill, so to speak. With the, uh, with Hit the, me with a three and out, Mr. Icon. Well, and that's oh. just exactly what we're going to do here. Brian's uh, ready to go. He is. He's, he's always ready to go. That's why he's one of the best of the biz. And, uh, you know, Brian, l- let's just kind of take a look here um, at, at the KU program, first of all. Uh, last year when we had you on, uh, you know, Things were kind of going good for KU. Uh, coming off a big win against Texas Tech, um, 
you know, had had a lot of momentum going into that K-State game. Now, K-State was able to uh, come away with the win in Lawrence that day. But uh, here, you know, almost uh, 365 days later, uh, as K-State uh, takes on uh, KU here in Manhattan, kind of talk, talk me through uh, where, where KU finds their football program at these days. Well, KU's had a rough uh, stretch of games so far in the 2020 season. Uh, obviously losing uh, by 15 at a rough start against Coastal Carolina. Thomas McKinney had a hard-fought uh, game against the Chanticleers, the Chants, as I call them. Uh, but Jalen Daniels, the young signal caller, uh, they KU actually flipped from Middle Tennessee in a huge recruiting coup for a much ballyhooed young man. Uh, he got some action against the Chants uh, and put up a nice little performance and actually gained the start against the Baylor Bears, where he really shined in that game. Uh, put up a, you know, KU obviously finished second in that game, but Jalen Daniels, a very impressive 19 of 33 for 159 yards, and he added 23 yards on the ground on 14 carries. So this KU's offense has had some momentum so far in the 2020 campaign, and you just get the feeling that although they haven't won yet, you look up and down at some of these games, and you think, you know, Take, for example, against West Virginia. Eight or nine plays go the other way in that game, and KU's right in it. Yeah, that's a, that's a really good way of looking at it. I mean, you know, there, I, I was able to watch that game from kickoff to, uh, to the final whistle, and, you know, KU was hanging tough, you know, throughout the first half. And, now, like and even up until the very end of the game, too. Oh, yeah, yeah they, you they, think they were still playing out Puka, there. the bazooka, returned a kickoff right near the end of the game. Yeah, absolutely, and you know that that speaks. That, well, you know, and that touchdown, Brian, if I may, was actually important to some. Impor- very important to some, as it's. Uh, what do you mean? Well, the the betting spread. You know, KU was a you know a pretty big dog in that game, but they had really been in the number, been in the money throughout the game, and West Virginia takes that late touchdown. And KU supporters, KU betters, KU ticket holders, as some people would call them, they might have been ripping those things up, but. You never want don't to, rip it up until don't rip it up until that final. Well, I don't pay too much attention to the betting line, so I'll, I'll defer to your good judgment on that. Well, uh, Brian, I, you know you bring up Puka Williams, uh, him exiting uh, the KU, you know, opting out for the rest of the season, um, you know, exiting the program, uh, presumably as he'll you know look to maybe uh, go on to the next level, as he's certainly a very talented player. But you know, with Losing your best offensive player uh, here as we enter the the second half of the Big Twelve season, where's KU going to find some playmakers at, and what are some names we should be on the lookout for on Saturday? Well, obviously losing the bazooka is a devastating blow for this Kansas offense because, frankly, he's a generational talent, one of the best running backs KU has ever had, and frankly, one of the best running backs in Big Twelve history. Um. That said, in his absence, you expect to see some of these other younger Jayhawks start to take shape. And particularly, I expect Velton Gardner to burst onto the scene. And some people, Icon, have been suggesting that Velton Gardner's had a better season than Puka this year anyway. Which, given what I just said about Puka's talent, is very exciting for KU fans across the state. Well, that's that is a good point. I mean, you, you look at what Velton Gardner has done. I mean, look when you look at his numbers, very impressive throughout the season. Of course, a, K, a guy that K State fans, you know, may be familiar as KU was able uh, to, uh, to to snatch him away from K State. So, uh, Brian, here, the third question here before we we get you out with a prediction is, you know, with Les Miles uh, getting back on the sideline uh, this week here for the Sunflower Showdown. You have to look at uh, what Les Miles has done here through through his first you know year and a half on the job. Uh, do you expect that the trajectory continues to uh, to to move forward here for KU and, and kind of what uh, maybe you know added boost of enthusiasm or you know kind of what do you see maybe uh, in the cards for KU with uh, Les Miles return to the sideline this week? Well, I think anybody who hasn't been able to recognize the progress that this Kansas team has shown throughout not only this year, but over the last two years under Les Miles' leadership, is just blind. I think the proof is in the pudding. And I think you're going to see it, Mr. Icon, this Saturday, when KU puts up a good fight against against Kansas State. And don't be surprised if the Jayhawks get it done on Saturday.
Okay. Well, that, that, that's a that's a teaser for my prediction. Well, Brian, right. the, the floor is yours. Let's hear the prediction uh, for the Dell Sunflower Showdown on Saturday. Icon, Dell, if I may. K State's had a good year this year. Yeah, they've had a nice season. Yeah, I, I guess they kind of have, haven't they? They sure have. It's KU not such a good season. They've they've had a, a hard four games so far against, frankly, one of the best G five teams I think there's ever been. Oh, no question, no question. The yeah, chance the chance are no joke. Yeah, they've been pretty good this year. And now we have a rivalry game. The, and, Dil- the Dylan Sunflower Showdown. And, Brian, I hate to interrupt you, but I, I think, I, can I just tee you up here? Because when these two teams play... Throw out the record book. Absolutely. I, I, I want to get you there. I want to get you there. And this KU team is so young that you think they might just be crazy enough to believe they can win the game. And behind the young slinger, Jalen Daniels, throwing passes to AP Quattro and Drew Prox bringing in the heat for all the TFLs. I expect the bells to be ringing, the chocks to be rocking, all the way from Mission to Mulvane, from Parsons to Pittsburgh, and from from Colby to Concordia, when I think Rock Shock Jayhawk is going to win the day on Saturday in a barn burner of a game, 12 to 11. (laughs) Wow. A low score game, Brian. <laughs> really, uh, you're really calling your... I think these are two very good defenses, and I think these two young quarterbacks are going to have a little bit of a hard time on Saturday. But I think these are two of the, some of the best defenses in the conference. But I think that KU edges them out. They remember uh, being embarrassed on their home field last year against these hated Wildcats. And I think they've had this game circled for almost 365 days. Well, Brian, oh, I, 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 twelve to eleven. I admire you calling your shot there. Twelve to eleven. Hey, I, I love it, and you heard it here first. Uh, should, uh, should it be twelve to eleven? I might have to tip my hat to you, Mister, Mister Haney. Tell Brian Haney sent you. Uh, I, I will be sure to do <laughs> yeah, that. We'll, I'll be sure to do that. Yeah, we'll do that. Well, Brian, it, it's good to see. You. It's good to, that you're, you know, back in good health. I know uh, you had to sit out that game against uh, West Virginia off the air. I feel good. You, you looked good. You look real good. Um, yeah. So it's great to have you here in studio, and uh, best of luck, and have a great call on Saturday. Oh, you betcha. It's always a pleasure, Mr. Icon and Dell. Yeah, thanks, Brian. All right, well, that was uh, the three and out there with uh, Mr. Brian Haney. He's 12 to 11. God. He really got worked up. I don't really know how. I mean, so I assume four field goals. <sighs> yeah, or one field goal, a touchdown, safety. You know, Maybe just, just two, it, missed it, extra, it, it, two it touchdowns could, and two missed extra points. It's pro- what it probably is. It's a touchdown. KU, they, they get the extra point block. 6 nothing. You know, K-State, I don't know quite how they get to a, Oh, you know, I bet what they do. We, we run a little trickeration. We, we're feeling ourselves a little bit maybe off that uh, that uh, good two-point conversion that we had against TCU. Maybe maybe dip into that bag of tricks again and, and then get a field goal. And then KU maybe scores late and then goes for two to make it a 14-point game. I don't know. I don't know. It's anybody's guess. It's anyone's guess. But maybe hey, a two-point safety mixed or a, a one-point safety mix. You know, I, but I have to admire it. I mean, he delivered that 12-11 to 11 with a lot of confidence. He showed no hesitation about it. Yeah, it, but that's why he's a pro. He's, a pro. he's a pro. He's yeah. a pro. So, um, well... That'll do it here for the, the kind of the wrap-up here with uh, Mr. Brian Haney. We'll be back after a short break where we highlight another Wildcat legend and answer listener questions in the Ask the Icon segment. Back after this. All right, now we are getting into our segments of the show, uh, our final segments of the show, where uh, first we're going to take a look back in K-State history and analyze this week's Wildcat legend. Mr. Icon, this week's Wildcat legend hails from the Show Me State. Any guesses? Justin Montgomery. <laughs> Close. Okay. Uh, Not Justin Montgomery. Huh? No, he, this guy wasn't a very ballyhooed recruit. He went to uh, Raymore Peculiar High School, and he was in the class of 2006. Mm. Ray Peck. Okay. Um, he's a quarterback. Okay. I got it. You got it? Who is it? It's Carson Coffin. It's CCQ. Carson Coffin, uh, queso. You know, I made a shirt. What was that? What was Describe this shirt. It uh, was from Threads in Aggieville. Purple shirt. Um, And it just had CCQ 
on top in, in I believe it was black font. Black on purple, very uh, easily seen, of course. And then it had a, a jar of queso uh, right underneath that yeah. center set. And uh, that was the shirt. That's yeah, right. I don't know what it, more there is to say. I don't know where that shirt is. Uh, I, it, it's long gone, unfortunately. But if, I, we, if we ever find it, we'll tweet a picture of it out at the, uh, the Foresight Option Twitter account. Maybe I'll just make another one. Oh, that's certainly a possibility, you know, too. Why, why limit yourself, you know? Um, so we'll just get into it. CC, CCQ, Carson Kaufman, uh, he's recruited from Raymore Peculiar High School. He's been his first few years uh, backing up uh, Josh Freeman. Freeman. Freeman, one of his uh, high school teammates, right? Not a high school teammate, but they were they were close with each other. Uh, he, yeah, they were buddies. Yeah, they yeah, were buds. Right. Uh, Carson, or Carson went to Ray Peck, as we mentioned. Uh, Josh Freeman from Green. Of course. No, that's a, a bad job by me there, and I'm get better every day. But uh, Carson really burst onto the scene in 2009 when he uh, assumed the role of starting quarterback after Josh Freeman left one year early for the NFL draft. Uh, of course, if you remember back in 2009, Kaufman kind of struggled early in that season and eventually lost his starting role to Grant Gregory. Now, he ended the season with 863 passing yards, two touchdowns, and four interceptions, which equates, of course, to a quarterback rating of 121.4. Not too bad. Not bad. Uh, though he was not the starting quarterback, he was still respected by his teammates and voted a team captain and player representative. Makes sense. Yeah, of course. Um... Now, his senior campaign, 2010, that's when he really took the reins. Yeah, he was the man. Absolutely. Uh, in 2010, Coffin once again took over the role of starting quarterback after Grant Gregory exhausted his eligibility. He beat out competition from uh, common Colin Klein that season. And, of course, slamming Sammy Lemur, uh as well. For the second year in a row, he had a tremendous spring game. In 2010, which, of course, we all remember. Oh, everyone talks about it still. And was voted uh, as a team captain and player representative for the second consecutive season. Now, that year, Coffin threw for 2,060 yards and 14 touchdowns with only seven interceptions, which improved his quarterback rating to 143.1. But the thing everybody remembers Carson Coffin for, of course, is his effort in the 2011 Sunflower Showdown. Uh, that year, he... Uh, during that game, he was actually named National Performer of the Week following his outing against Kansas. Oh, no kidding. Yeah, and the uh, that's from the College Football Performance Awards, uh, which is obviously, of course, the, extremely the, prestigious. Yeah, the Paramount uh, award giver of in-season awards in college football. Now, that, that week, Kaufman had arguably his best game as a Wildcat when he went 15 for 16 for 184 yards and two touchdowns through the air, while he rushed 10 times for 42 yards and three scores to lead the Wildcats to a 59-7 victory over the Jayhawks that week. Uh, the peculiar Missouri product registered a 231.6 pass efficiency against KU, and that's, wow. the, high, that's the highest since Allen Webb's school record uh, against uh, North Texas in 2005, mm-hmm. which was, of course, 300.9. Yeah. And his three rushing scores were the most by a Wildcat since Freeman had his four rushing touchdown performance at Texas A&M in 2008. Uh, that 2008 game against Texas A&M, of course, Logan Dold. Yep, no question. But I guess I forgot that Freeman had uh, four rushing touchdowns. Actually. Yeah, you know, that was when we started really using Freeman as more of a, of a runner, especially down... Uh, you know, short yardage goal line situations. And, you know, when you have a 6'6 quarterback that can move pretty well, that, that adds an extra, uh, you know, guy uh, in terms of uh, the, the, the helmet count in the box. And uh, we were able to use that skill set and, and uh, get in the end zone a couple of times. But getting back to uh, Josh Freeman's protege, Carson Kaufman, uh, specifically that 2000, um, what was it, the 2010 yeah. uh, Sunflower Showdown, uh, his performance in that game sent the sent the fans in attendance into a frenzy in Lawrence. They did, yeah. They um, did. Now, you and I, were were we on hand for that one? For a little bit, yeah. Um, that's right. And, and it sent us into a frenzy as well. It did. Um, into such a frenzy that we were actually asked to leave the stadium that day. You know, we were, weren't we? Did we think it was cool to get that rambunctious? You know, as I remember and as I recall, we, we were actually being very well behaved. 
it was you they know, treated us very unfairly. They did. They treated us very unfairly. Um, you know, there were some. Uh, I, I I remember it very well. Ten years, or you know, yeah, ten years, really. Oh, not quite to the date, but it was it was an October game, and uh, you know these KU fans in front of us were were really giving us a hard time. And I believe it was after a remark maybe that uh, you know someone here on the air made uh, saying after Stephen Harrison scooped and scored uh, on a long uh, fumble recovery for a touchdown, uh, I think to put K State up thirty eight to seven in that game, if memory serves me correctly. Someone remarked around us saying, "Golly, of all the touchdowns we've scored today." That might have been my favorite right there. Yeah. And then, you know, there, there are some, KC, or some KU fans that maybe didn't take so kindly to that. Uh, create a little bit of a scene. And, it's kind of disrespectful. Yeah. Yeah. But, you know. It, it's kind of cool. It's just guys having fun. You mm-hmm. know, boys being boys. I don't think there's anything too, you know, anything malicious about it. Yeah. No. I, I think that's um, I think that's all, you know, above board. So, but let's not take any more of, of the time but it, uh, but what we're highlighting. Suffice it to say that. Carson Coffin out there on that October night in Lawrence, Kansas, was just making people go crazy. Mm-hmm. Us included. Us included. No question. Um, and so it, it's for that performance in particular, but also his whole Wildcat career that, that makes him so impressive. Um, you know, you, t- you take a guy without much ballyhoo uh, like Carson Coffin, and that's a real credit to Bill Snyder because Coffin was actually – Pretty good in 2010. He wasn't bad. No, he was good. He did a fine job. He, he did a really nice job for us. He answered the bell, so to speak. Uh, and these days, uh, Carson is living in Chicago, Illinois. He is the co-founder at Juana. So we're very proud of him uh, living it up in the second city. And uh, we wish him all the best. And it's um, because of his whole Wildcat career and persevering, and especially because of that 2010 performance against Kansas that makes Carson Kaufman this week's Wildcat legend. Now we're going to go ahead and get into our final segment on the show, a segment that we here at the Short Side Option like to call Ask the Icon, where Short Side Option listeners can uh, ask the Short Side Option's very own Chris the Icon Sork any questions they want. And you know what? He'll listen to what the question is, and then he'll go ahead and answer it. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and, that's what I'll do. And depending on whether, really, it all just comes down to whether I ask him the question. And sometimes I do a good job of remembering all the questions. Sometimes you don't. Sometimes I don't. And you know what? Hand up. That's on me. We caught a little bit of heat for that. We sure did. And, you know, well-deserved. But this week, I'll try to do a better job. Okay? Okay, Mr. Icon? Sounds good. And if you want to ask him a question... The best route is probably just to tweet it at tweet it to us using the Twitter account, so I don't forget it or miss it or anything. And you can do that by uh, tweeting it at us uh, our Twitter account, which is at tsso underscore podcast, or of course, of course, using the hashtag Ask the Icon. And sometimes, if you want to text it to me, maybe I'll remember it, maybe I won't, um, but I'll do my best to. Um, and that's a promise. That's a promise for me to you, listeners. And we're just gonna jump right into it. Um, our first question this week comes from listener Tony at Lucas Nove. Uh, and Tony asks, uh, the icon, what's your prediction for the Big Ten West results? Big Ten West. Oh, so we're getting into, uh, a little bit, uh, you know, the Big Ten's entering the fray here. Yeah, as- this is usually where our Big Ten correspondent would come in and, and give her two cents. Noticeably absent here uh, is is our friend Big Dog in Madison here as we uh, we break down uh, the uh, the Big Ten West. But I will say Big Dog in Madison has to have her ears uh, pointed up here at this because I like the Wisconsin Badgers uh, to be uh, the the uh, the representative of the Big Ten West and and they'll you know play for the right uh, to go ahead and get waxed by Ohio State in the Big Ten championship game. But uh, you know, I, I give I give um, I give Wisconsin the edge in the Big Ten West, and then after that, I, I kind of handicap it here as follows: I go Iowa number two. Actually, I'm gonna go Minnesota number two, Iowa number three, Northwestern. They're gonna bring up the rear this year. I'm gonna go four with Purdue, five Nebraska, six Illinois, seven Northwestern. I, I think Illinois might be a little higher there. You do. Um, you, you like what uh, you like what Lovey's doing there. I think they do a good job out there in Champaign. We're all we're all pretty impressed with the job he's done, uh, but very well. well. You're you're more impressed than I am, maybe. 
Maybe so, but you know he he's got a he's got a young team. They they've got experienced quarterback. Now they open up with Wisconsin, and now it, it, many people will remember that Illinois uh, upset Wisconsin last year, uh, as uh, the Fighting Illini were able to pick off the Badgers at home <laughs> in Champaign-Urbana. Uh, this year they go to Camp Randall. Uh, of course, not having the fans there in the stands maybe makes uh, home field advantage a little bit more diminished. Of course, but uh, I still like Wisconsin to uh, to to carry the uh, carry the water. For the uh, for the Big Ten West this year. All right, our next listen, our next question comes from listener Steve Z sixty uh, via text. Okay, uh, Steve Z asks, dear icon, please tell me which topping each of these K State Wildcats would be on a pizza. Okay, I like pizza. All right, I'll I'll name the names. You say what they would be on a pizza. All right. Okay. All right. First, Deuce by the way, Deuce Vaughn. Deuce Vaughn. I'm gonna go pepperoni. Okay. Pepperon. Pepperon. Uh, oh, next up is Will Howard. Will Howard? He's probably pepperoni, huh? No, I'm gonna also. I'm gonna instead of pepperoni, I'm gonna go with a nice mushroom. I like, oh, right. I like mushrooms on pizza. And uh, I like it, it, it's a kind of an under the radar thing. I think mushrooms can, you know, maybe not this year be the focal point for, you know, Will Howard's not gonna be the focal point this year for the K State offense. So maybe he can graduate into being a pepperoni here before you know it. All right. Uh, next up, uh, T.J. Smith, who, as we learned this week, uh, is going to be sidelined with an injury for the foreseeable future. Tough news for T.J. But if he's on a pizza, what is he? I gotta say jalapeno. I gotta say jalapenos, bringing that extra hit to the pizza. The extra heat to the pizza. Absolutely. I like it. Absolutely. Uh, Elijah Sullivan. Oh, it's another good one. Um, with Elijah, he's, he's a pepperoni. Isn't you think you think he might be the double pepperoni pizza? Yeah. Uh, I'm going to go with Elijah Sullivan. He's been a he's been a uh, mainstay for the for the K State defense here for for some time now. You know, the big thing that I think about when I when I order a nice pizza is you, you, the first thing I notice is what's the cheese looking like on the pizza? Yeah, it, the cheese is often maybe underappreciated, but when it's bad, you notice it. And Sullivan has been a steadying force on this defense for the last, you know, three or four or two or three years now. He's the rock. He's the cheese. Elijah Sullivan, the big cheese. And finally, to round out this uh, pie, none other than the head man himself, Coach Kleiman. This is perfect. He's a pepperoni, isn't he? He's the crust. And oh. he, he, he's just the overall thing. Because, you know, with, with the crust, when you pick up the pizza and when you eat the pizza... You have to have a strong foundation, and that crust is really, you know, what is that foundation of the pizza pie? Through two, through a year and a half now, Chris Kleiman has has steadied the ship and has got K State moving in a solid direction, and he is a solid crust for this pizza for K State. That's a good oh, question. Yeah, it's a great question by Stevesy. Uh, as always, love his questions. Uh, quick, next question comes from listener Trim at Trim Go Email. Trim asks. Many people are saying it's not right for Jeff Long and KU Athletics to keep putting Les Miles out there in his current state. However, the coach is taking over $2.5 million a year off the squawks. Who has been and is being more victimized in this toxic relationship? Well, you know, you, when we hear Brian Haney talk about it, it's all, it's all good there. on it's uh, Mount sunshine, Oregon. yeah. Uh, but, you know, I would say um, maybe Les Miles, his legacy is getting maybe a potentially a little damaged going from a guy who was routinely ranked as one of the top 10 coaches just a few years ago, um, you know, at LSU as, as a guy that was a, a stalwart of the SEC and a, uh, you know, a mainstay of the Southeastern Conference. Now you look at it and he hasn't had much success here at KU through a year and a half. So I'd have to probably lean towards less miles there. Uh, you know, long, long gone are the days where, you know, his squad sitting there at the top and being a national title contender and being a conference title contender in the Southeastern Conference. But now, kind of down a little bit lower on the pecking order in the Big 12. Yeah, it's a, it's certainly a rough job to take, and he wouldn't be the first one to uh, have his uh, image a little tarnished by taking that role. Uh, the next question comes from listener Mahomes2020 at KSU underscore funny33. Mahomes asks... Icon, do you have an official nickname submission for Will Howard? I do. Will the Thrill. 
Howard. That's the name? I'm sticking to it. I was thinking Will Doug Howard. Yeah, I, I think if people just started calling him Doug, that'd be pretty cool too. Yeah. Maybe maybe that's what it should be. Yeah. I, maybe maybe I might I might have to change my, my tune here. We'll see how it how it goes this week. I'll, I'll kinda try it out, you know, throughout the game. Just call him Will the Thrill and then maybe just call him Doug and seeing what uh, what what works out a little bit better. <laughs> um we had a couple of other chiming in on that thread. Um, one guy, uh, D. Swoy, suggests Bill the Butcher, which is, mm-hmm. of course, a reference to uh, The Boys. Uh, it's a show on Amazon Prime. It's a comic book show. Oh, I don't, I don't do comic books. Yeah, it's, it's, I enjoy it. Now, Bill the Butcher, what I think of Bill the Butcher, you I think, think of, of Gangs of New Gangs York. Gangs of New York, which is one of my favorite movies. Yeah. It's a good job, you know, in that movie, Mark... I believe that's a Martin Scorsese, Leonardo DiCaprio film there. Good job always when you get those two high-flying actors and, and directors in there. That's exactly right. And, of course, Daniel Day-Lewis. Yeah, and he's, he's second to none for me. Yes. Second to none. Um, and then um, we, we had another one submitted by D. Swoy, uh, reference to, or credits to, at uh, 33KSU. He says, Willem Dethro. Mm-hmm. I did like Willem Dafoe too. A great actor, great actor. A lot, a lot of really good uh, nicknames there. Yeah, he uh, Willem Dafoe. He was in that Spider-Man movie. Yeah, Green Goblin. That's right. But uh-huh. you don't really care. Yeah, about I don't. Them. I don't do comic books really. Um, the next question comes from listener BTC at Beantown Cat twenty two. Beantown Cat, what's he got for me? He said, outside of the south end zone of Memorial Stadium in Lawrence, Kansas, what is your favorite recliner to take a nap in? You know, I don't have a recliner here in the the apartment. We we go with the uh, the chair, the easy chair and ottoman setup. But you know what? I think a recliner might be my future here before too long. Man, I'd kill for a nice lazy boy. Mm. But you know what? The missus, she's, she doesn't want a lazy boy in the living room. Yeah, she's already got one. <laughs> yeah, she kind of yeah, yeah. You know what I'm saying? Yeah, yeah. Uh, so it would just be your your chair with the ottoman over there. Yeah, I guess. But you, back home, I got a nice. Uh, recliner, perfect for sitting down and, and uh, catching up on uh, you know all, all that's going on in the world of college football. And you gosh, know, we sure love sitting down and catching up with everything that's going on in the world of college football. Yeah, and, and I love that chair for you know when I break down when I'm at home. You know, I'm never taking days off. I'm always breaking down all 22 footage and and reading scouting reports and you know kind of going over that thing. I don't now. I don't do the analytics. I don't have time for that. You but, like, but you just like watching sports and like videos about sports. Yeah, I'm a huge. I, I sometimes, honestly, I'll be, I'll be frank with you. I like watching videos about sports sometimes even more than I like watching sports itself, which is crazy, right? Yeah, it's really counterintuitive. But sometimes, you know, the videos about sports really open up a different, you know, kind of, kind of portal. They make you, you know? think about sports in like a different, smart kind of way. Yeah, yeah, I guess so. Um, and our final question this week comes from listener Tyler H at thh underscore. He asks icon. We've got bird on the menu this weekend. Oh, we do. As a wildcat yourself, what is your favorite bird preparation? Buffalo wings, Nashville hot chicken sandwich, Thanksgiving turkey, or freshly cut raw Jayhawk? Oh, man, that's a great question there. By Don't by, make me choose. By, by a guy who is, you know, a frequent contributor here to the Ask the Icon segment. And, you know, I'm going to go a little bit off the board here. I'm going to go, he mentioned, uh, you know, buffalo wings. I do like buffalo wings. Who doesn't? Yeah. But in t- instead of buffalo wings, I like a nice little teriyaki or a uh, you know c- Caribbean jerk type uh, little flavor on there. A little sweet, little tangy. That's more my style. But uh, you know, all great options. Of course, that that Jayhawk too. I think by about two thirty. My mouth is watering. My mouth time. is watering. Yeah, absolutely, absolutely. I'll, I think I'll have. Uh, be able to put that away uh, here by 2.30 and have a nice meal. Some Kansas fried chicken. That's right. That's right. <laughs> that's a new KFC right there. That's right. Well, Mr. Icon, that wraps up the, uh, the Ask the Icon segment. Do you have any parting thoughts for uh, the listeners this week? You know, I do. Uh, this is going to be the uh, first game that I get to uh, be in the bill for this year. And I, I couldn't be more excited about it. Yeah, you picked a good one. I'm uh, I'm very excited. You know, didn't know quite, you know, at the beginning of the season, who knew, who knows what's going to happen with uh, with attendance regulations. These are uncertain times. They are. Sure. They are. No question about it. And uh, I'm happy to be able to uh, to get in the seats for this one and really looking forward to getting back to Manhattan and uh, hopefully cheering case it on to a, to a nice win over KU. Well, I'm sure you'll do a great job. Uh, I'm also looking forward to the game on Saturday. This is a, 
a game this is has tended to be one of the most fun games of the season for K State, except for 2018. Um, that was not a fun game. Um, that was a stressful game. That was a very stressful game. We should have lost that game. And I, I was up in the press box for that game, and uh, tense atmosphere. A lot of inner turmoil when you have nobody to talk to and aren't allowed to really make any noise. So, so now, for those that have not been up in the press box, which I'm sure there are many listening to this that haven't had that, haven't been afforded that opportunity. Well, um, they're not all serious. Many of our listeners aren't serious journalists, journalists like I am. Yeah, and... So talk me through a little bit about kind of what the getup is up there in terms of like now are you intermingled with, you know, only K State writers on one side, KU writers on the other, or opposing writers on the I other side? I was just I sat I had an assigned seat and I sat like next to the collegian guys uh, and you, in the front and you, row and like some other small town newspaper writer on the other side of me. Now, but he now, hardly ever showed up. Now you you built a really nice rapport with a lot of your your. Uh, you know, fellow journalists up there, didn't you? Of course, no. It's 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 a fraternity up there, and and we look we have each other's backs for sure, and uh, it, it's just nice being a part of that uh, that sort of brotherhood up there. Absolutely. Well, um, hopefully, but little... also buy a paper. Absolutely, hundred percent. And let's um, let's also hope that this week. Here in 2020, we don't get a repeat of the last time that they were here, and it was a little bit tenuous, as you mentioned. So hopefully, a, a much more relaxing uh, football afternoon here for, for K State fans, as, as we hope to be able to take care of KU uh, here on Saturday. So, Dilo, anything else you want to you know part with here before we wrap it up? No, I just want to say go Cats, go Cats. Well, I think that's well said, and uh, that'll do it here for us on this week's edition of the Short Side Option Podcast. We'll come to you here next week uh, to break down the KU game and to look ahead towards K-State's date with West Virginia on the road in Morgantown, a game that will be 11 o'clock. I believe it's on Fox Sports 1 as well. So it is a – this is kind of getting into a a little bit of a stretch here, these next three games where K-State is really going to have an opportunity to really uh, separate themselves here uh, towards the top of the conference uh, with games coming up against KU, West Virginia, and then a big one uh, two weeks following from now against Oklahoma State. So very uh, exciting times here for K-State. That's right. And before we take off, we just want to thank our guest again, Brian Haney. Uh, always does a great job. We, we're big fans of Brian, and we love him. Uh, we love having him on the show. Absolutely. Well, that, I think, wraps up here for this edition of the Short Side Option Podcast. Thank you for listening, and go Cats!